0: Hello, I'm Wayne and this is my Iron Maiden podcast Sponsored by Cherry Coca-Cola, Cherry Coke The Taste of 1986 On these shows I look at the songs of Iron Maiden And how they impacted on me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham I look at the songs today as well with fresh ears as an adult This week I'm looking at the album Somewhere in Time As a special bonus show I've already done the eight songs as separate episodes, so you might want to listen to those first. But if you've just jumped here, then this is sort of a summary of the album as a whole. Last week, I looked at the song Alexander the Great, which was the final track on the album. I had some comments on it. Firstly, you may have noticed that I put online the clip of Torval and Dean ice skating to the song Alexander the Great. Now, I explained this in the episode, because the drumming in the intro was very similar to Ravel's Bolero, which was the orchestral piece that Torvald and Dean danced to in the Winter Olympics in 1984. I put this online on Twitter and Ko-Fi, and maybe some other places. I thought people might marvel at my video editing skills and say, yeah, they do go well together, Wayne. That's a very good observation. But instead, I had some people moaning about it. Some people said, Torvald and Dean's performance was in 1984 and Alexander the Great was released in 1986, so how can this be right? This is stupid. I didn't claim that Torvald and Dean danced to Alexander the Great in the Ice Skating Olympics, I mean the Winter Olympics in 1984. I didn't say this. I said, here we are. Here's a clip of some ice skating from 1984 with Alexander the Great on it. We can do this now, we can add music to video footage, we've got the tools to do it. But clearly people don't seem to understand this. I wonder if there's other outrage like this across the internet. I think I once saw a clip of Neil Armstrong on the moon, and then in the background was the police, the song by the police, walking on the moon. And this came out 10 years later, maybe I should write them a letter, because this is impossible, that can't happen. Maybe I should write to Iron Maiden because their Number of the Beast video contains a film clip from the 1930s and this is a song in the 1980s, so how can that be? Oh, maybe I'll complain about that. Even though I've received these comments, I haven't taken it to heart and got wound up about it much because you do get criticism and comments like this, don't you? But, uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to claim this as a fact that Torval and Dean danced to Iron Maiden. It's not a fact like I made and being on the Muppet show. It's just me creating a video, um, so yeah, I apologize if anyone was confused by it, but I did explain it. I thought it was obvious, anyway, moving on, let's look at the album and uh, yeah, it's good out oh, mate. that that yeah it came out in nineteen eighty six but you know this it's got eight songs on it, but you know this. I don't want to bother. maybe I should give people the facts, anyway, yeah. As you've probably established from the eight songs I've covered so far and the title of the album, there's a lot of songs with a theme of time in it. But even though there's a lot of songs about the concept of time, it isn't a concept album. So this is confusing. A concept album is more like when there's a story that links the songs. So while there's a theme that links the songs, there isn't a story. You can't say that Alexander the Great is linked to Adrian Smith in a plane looking down on a sea of madness so all these songs have got the theme of time but they're not linked in this way I think from the start it's a great album caught somewhere in time a brilliant opener possibly the best so far the 1980s and this sounds strange I think that it's just the right tone for the album it's got this futuristic sound and uh, I mentioned the the image of Iron Maiden over the last few albums where you see the pictures of them and that, that reflects the mood and the, the tone of the period and the album so whether it's Meat and gravy on uh, the Peace of Mind album, whether eating a roast dinner or like the sandy Egyptian theme of Power Slave, those those are right for the album. And I think this this song is right for the Somewhere in Time theme. Yeah, I think it's a better opener than Where Eagles Dare, but strangely, I don't think it's a better song. That's a very strange comment, and that's what Iron Maiden can do to you. They can sort of put all your values and, and ideas into chaos. How can that be? I wonder if Caught Somewhere in Time is perfect for this album because we're used to it and it seems right there because we've heard it so many times. That's another thought for you. We are introduced to this new sound for Iron Maiden, which is guitar synths, and looked at this in the song episode. I believe that reaction at the time was quite mixed, but I was too young to know about it. You know, Some fans were upset and disappointed that they'd gone this way. But uh, because I was so young to have an opinion... This may have been good because I loved it just because it was Iron Maiden. Uh, I'd like to have that sort of innocent approach today, uh, and the simplicity in making choices. But uh, I understand that die-hard fans uh, would have been more upset and maybe influenced by other factors, like maybe a, a wider awareness of the musical landscape around them. Being nine years old, I didn't appreciate all this. Heavy metal itself was changing. The whole new wave of British heavy metal scene That's six years old now. Heavy metal was getting a bit more mainstream and commercial in one sense. I looked at Bon Jovi and Europe in the episode about Stranger in a Strange Land. And then on the other side, we had this rise of thrash metal uh, from America. We've got Metallica and Slayer, who both brought out very important albums in the same period. So Iron Maiden sort of slotted in the middle, but didn't really fit in anywhere. And that's good. They didn't fit into either camp and we've had criticism of Iron Maiden over the years at various stages of their career for not evolving they just sort of stick to their guns so yeah they didn't go down the commercial route or the heavier angrier route of, of thrash metal they, they carried on and in some ways they did evolve with their use of guitar synths they're not standing still sort of doing the same thing as they did on the number of the beast so they did take risks and uh, maybe that put some fans off From the first song we then get to Wasted Years which is an all time Iron Maiden classic I think even though I've said that it's easy to forget just how good it is on so many levels It's a bit like Runs of the Hills that we think oh yeah Wasted Years roll your eyes a bit and it's heard that so many times but if you take it at face value it's a great song Similarly to Caught Somewhere in Time I think if I was to compare this to Two Minutes to Midnight I might think that Two Minutes to Midnight is a better song but Wasted Years is a better single. So again, these strange contradictions. This song was written by Adrian Smith. And on the album, he wrote three songs, all by himself. Previously, he'd done a few with Bruce and some with Steve. But there was a bit more time between albums for once and tours, so Adrian could develop and write his own lyrics. There's also a bit of talk about Bruce being a bit disillusioned after having some of his own ideas rejected. These were supposedly more acoustic and along the lines of Jethro Tull or some of the lighter sound of Led Zeppelin. Here's Adrian explaining this.
1: Hi, this is Adrian Smith. Yeah, the uh, Somewhere in Time album, one of the highlights of Iron Maiden in the 1980s. Uh, yeah, I had three songs on it. i I'm very impressed with them. I'm still proud of them to this day. Read the lyrics and listen. I quite often tap along with my foot and uh, look out the window into the garden. But yeah, it was a, a funny period, because usually, as you know, I would have written with Bruce. Uh, quite liked his lyrics. But uh, yeah, there were a few issues with Bruce around that time. Uh, we will not going into too much detail. But uh, anyway, you're here for my book. Uh, so yeah, here's the latest chapter. Chapter 9. A Lot of Fun. It was a bright Saturday morning, and Officer Riggs was waiting by the bandstand for his son. He was carrying a large hold-all. The church bell struck nine, and he wondered where the head was. He wondered what he should call the head now. He didn't think he should call his own son the head. He looked at the notes in his jotter. Ah, yes, he had written down, ask him what his name is on a big list of items that he intended to say and do during this meeting. He had made this list from watching other fathers and sons in the village, and had gone to the library to read a book about being a good daddy. He didn't get the book out of the library, in case Mr. Wilfort, the librarian, asked questions, so he just made notes instead. He didn't want to be reading from a notebook while spending time with his son, so he tried to remember the list of tips in his mind. He hummed a little tune. Hold hands, give hugs, fly a kite, read books, ask him his name. As he got to this part, he saw the head approaching over the hill. He was disguised to look like a normal village person, which was a relief, as the village folk might ask questions over who this chap was with Officer Riggs. Hello, said Officer Riggs, extending his arms out for a hug. Hello, said the head, looking confused. What's in the hold-all? Oh, a selection of snacks and things to play with in the park. What sort of snacks? asked the head. Some biscuits, a banana and some cake, replied Officer Riggs. Look! The head looked in the holdall. The sight of two men holding hands and staring into a large holdall near the bandstand was a suspicious sight and startled a passing fishmonger. Officer Riggs and the head walked off together into the park. Officer Riggs was enjoying watching the head running round the park flying a kite and felt very proud and happy. He heard the church bell chime and realised it would soon be lunchtime He had planned a feast of sausage, chips and beans. Before they left the park, he realised that he had a lot of questions still to ask the head, but he was worried he may come across as being a policeman rather than being a father. Could you ask questions to somebody in an interested manner without it sounding like you were interrogating them? He took the kite from the head and put it back in the hall door. Oh, I was enjoying that, said the head. I wondered if we could talk about your portals and magic worlds began Officer Riggs, giving the head a piggyback. I see, said the head. Will I be getting any pocket money for this? Well, I was going to give you half a crown, but if you speak to me like that, then I might not. I'm not buying information like a police officer. I want to give you pocket money for being a good boy and doing your chores. The head looked sullen. Sorry, he said. What I don't understand, began Officer Riggs, is that you spoke of revenge, but you created the world to make children happy. You made them find the things they wished for. Yes, sniffed the head, but ultimately it was seen as kidnapping and the children were away from their families, so it is wrong. I was jealous, as I didn't have a family. I'd have to tempt them to come with me and then fulfil their dreams. If I said I'd take you there, would you go or would you be scared? Officer Riggs didn't answer. I can't explain the other worlds in a court of law, said the head. Officer Riggs felt sad for the head, but the prospect of sausage, chips and beans cheered them both up. As they started their lunch, Yannick was climbing the beanstalk in his garden. As he neared the top, he heard the dinner gong. What should he do? You decide. Should he carry on and see what is at the top of the beanstalk? Or should he go back down to have his lunch of crab paste sandwiches?
0: The good thing about this album, and there are many good things, but one thing in particular that pleases me is it's a symmetrical album. There's four songs on each side. And we've got the longest song, towards the beginning and towards the end. That's like rotational symmetry. And then we've got the singles, at track two on each side. So That's also pleasant. I enjoy that. To me, I think it's an underrated album. One problem that Somewhere in Time has got is that it's sandwiched between two of those albums that are normally in the top three of fan lists, Power Slave and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Um, So, yeah, somewhere in time compared to those might not seem as good generally. I think this sets it back a bit. Also, the fact that the band didn't play many of these songs live after 1986 and 1987 means that maybe it gets a bit forgotten compared to the other classic albums of the 1980s. I did some maths to see what the average number of times each song had been played live was and compared it album to album to date. Now, of course, the debut album and Number of the Beast have got the highest average because those songs have been played so often. Hallow Be Thy Name, Number of the Beast and Iron Maiden. Those three songs have been played over a thousand times. Then we've got Power Slave and then we've got Peace of Mind who both have had... A fair amount played from them, because again, there's classics on there that they've brought back now and again. Killers is next, and then, you know, that's maybe not surprising because it's an older album, and then It's Somewhere in Time. That's last of the six albums we've covered so far. So despite this, I think it's one of my favourites. If the weaker songs on this are Heaven Can Wait or Deja Vu, then it must be good and a consistent album. I think there are weaker, weakest tracks on all the other albums so far. I mean, there's not a blatant, weakish song on Killers for me, so that, I suppose, is another consistent album. But I feel the quality overall is better on Somewhere in Time. I like the fact that it sounds futuristic, and this hit me at the time. Um, I mean, I didn't feel futuristic, but there were lots of things about the future in the mid-'80s, Back to the Future, and some of that electronic music. So it felt right in the 1980s. Now, that might make it seem dated now, Um, so I might feel different if I hadn't heard it at the time. If I hadn't seen the Goonies in the 1980s, then maybe I'd think that the film isn't as good now. But because I've got childhood memories of it and that excitement of watching it back then, maybe reflects and enhances that opinion today. There's a lot of underrated songs on the album: Sea of Madness and Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. These are both songs I'd rate eight or above out of ten. And there's a lot of songs about human emotions this time, so they mean more. It's about how people feel rather than a swordsman. We can all relate to feeling lonely, whether it's being trapped in a Wendy house in a school classroom or on a plane when you're in Iron Maiden. The songs seem to be more personal and without Bruce Dickinson's abstract lyrics. Maybe they're more accessible. Uh, The songs aren't just about loneliness or mental health. There's also the sense of being trapped or caught in a place, uh, either in a time or between two states. Talking off time, we've uh, had Paul Diano come along and visit me a few times during the series, which was nice. I've got a letter from him, uh, so let's uh, let's hear it. Dear Wayne, sorry I can't be with you for the album review show. I've decided to go easy on the time travel for a while. I think I need to focus on the real world and settle down a bit. I sent you another package with some goodies. You'll find interesting. No cassettes for you this time. There's another one of Steve's diaries. Next time I meet you, I'll have to take those ones back from 83 and 84 before he notices they're gone. I suppose it's a bit silly, really, as I'll just go forward a few minutes after I took them in the first place and then put them back. He'll never notice, which is why he hasn't reported them missing, of course. It's not been in the news. I'll still do the odd photo bomb now and then. There's some you haven't seen yet, but I was always good at hide and seek. Anyway, I'll see you somewhere in time. Yours sincerely, Paul DeAnna. I think the overall sound of the album is very much dictated by those guitar synths, um, those effects. And I think the notes bleed into each other a bit more, um, which is good or bad, I suppose. But I don't think it affects the solos. You might think that this sort of extra tone or polish to them might mean they're less defined. But I think they're some of the best ever on this album. I've had comments recently from Alejandra and Guillaume who, who mentioned the solos on this album especially relating to Stranger and Strange Land. I had a message from Corky this week, who was very complimentary about Dave's use of the Persian scale in Alexander the Great, which I didn't know about. And of course, this is a very apt song to have a Persian scale in, isn't it? So anyway, let's have a listen to some of the solos from the album. that's a great piece of audio I uh, probably should have told you to go to the toilet before that passage occurred um, so if you found that it's made you wet yourself with excitement then uh, I'd say don't worry you're probably not alone I've mentioned before that I saw this tour in 1986 at the Birmingham Odia it was Halloween and uh, most people would like to see more footage from this because it wasn't recorded um, they've had so many live albums since and uh, not much on this one very, very rare there's even a photograph Uh, It was probably well known for having the inflatable eddy, which perhaps wasn't that good in hindsight, Um, even though the artwork and the stage set was excellent. It was called the Somewhere On Tour tour, although it only had one tour. It was just called the Somewhere On Tour when it was written down. Um, I wonder how they
2: came up with that name. Right, Ben, meeting. So uh, first on the agenda,
1: tour name. What should we call the tour, lads? Well we've had the World Peace Tour and the World Slavery Tour, so how about the World Time Tour?
2: No, I don't think so.
1: How about somewhere on tour? Oh, 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 oh how about Iron Maiden Strangers in Strange Lands tour? <laughs> or we could have somewhere on tour, anyone? Dave Smiling,
2: that's a good sign. That's two votes. Bruce? Oh he's gone off again. Down to you, Nico.
0: Hooray! Ho-ho. There you go, that settles it. Sam, we're on tour. Mm. I mentioned the artwork and the scene on stage, and this of course was based on the album cover by Derek Riggs. It's probably one of the most iconic sleeves of, of the 80s, but I think I've said that on at least four other album covers. So you probably think this is just sort of diluting the message, but what I'm saying is, most of Iron Maiden's covers from the 1980s are iconic and you would probably want to own most of them on a T-shirt. This one is set in the future and there's a lot of influence from science fiction films. There's Blade Runner, there's, there's Star Trek, there's Doctor Who, all sorts of things. Eddie's like a cyborg. And in the background, you could go through it and on nearly every few centimetres, there's a reference to an Iron Maiden song or thing that's happened to them in the past. I'm not going to list all of them because it's been done before and it's online. But uh, yeah, it's like a little puzzle, if you like. See how many you can find. My favourite was always the the clock that said 23.58, which was two minutes to midnight, of course. Sometimes you look at it and there might be a new detail that you find. So it's sort of often rewarding to go back and look at it and, and discover new things. On the inner sleeve, Derek Riggs is mentioned, but he's got the nickname Master of the Universe. I'm not sure why this is. Maybe he could do a good Skeletor impression. Or maybe he danced like a He-Man figure during one of the songs. It's been quite a strange series. Um, We had Paul Diano turning up, as I've said. He knocked things off track. He confused me a bit, and others. And then Trevor didn't answer the phone in one episode. Um, Incidentally, I had a tweet from Major Digby Dawlish, who says that we love Pterodactyl Mark.
1: Uh,
0: I'm not sure how many people are in this "we" in his tweet. Uh, for me, his name still conjures up deadly deeds and a bad taste in the mouth. I think the fact he was eating crisps on a podcast isn't something to be proud of. On that note, though, we never found out what Trevor felt about Sea of Madness. But let's find out what he thought overall about the album.
2: Hi, Wayne.
0: Hi, Trevor. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good. It's the album review show.
0: Yeah, I know. I've been doing it for the last 20 minutes.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. But I was telling you, so, you know, I've done my research.
0: I don't think it's much research, is it, to say that you know what show it is. That's just common sense. We did Alexander the Great last week. We even spoke about this.
2: All right, well, yeah, just showing enthusiasm.
0: OK, well, uh, any thoughts overall on the album?
2: Well, yeah, it's a good album. I like it. Um, I think, at first, I missed Bruce's lyrics. I like those sort of clever references he does. They're quite mysterious, and they influenced my poetry, But I like Adrian's lyrics. It's quite a nice change.
0: Yeah, so you like the theme of the album as well?
2: Yeah, I like the concept of time. That again is mysterious, like Bruce's lyrics.
0: How is it mysterious? It's linear, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, but it isn't really, is it? In our heads, we can go forward and backwards. We can think about things. For several years, I never wore a watch. And if anyone asked me why I didn't wear a watch, I'd say... I'm not governed by time, and that made me sound mysterious. Okay. But it's quite strange, I think, why we use these measurements of time, hours and days. Why are they right? Who decided it's Sunday today? Why did we accept it?
0: Well, I don't know, it's just how it, how it works.
2: Well, yeah. Well, why can't we change it?
0: Well, what would you change it to? Trevor Day?
2: Maybe. Although that would be one day a year. But that's my birthday, isn't it? When I got cake and presents.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. The song's all about time, whether it's uh, looking back in wasted years or uh, contemplating death or, or ancient history with Alexander the Great.
2: Yeah, it's good. I think at the time I wasn't nostalgic because I was too young, but now I am when I hear the album and generally in life. I think it was Henri Bergson who said the present is the past devouring the future. Who? Henry Bergson.
0: Didn't he play for Celtic?
2: No, he was a French philosopher in the 18th century. He's talking about the dangers of memory overtaking us and affecting the now. It's a bit like you always talking about school.
0: I don't always talk about school. I only talk about it on this podcast, so people have got context, and that's part of the whole thing, isn't it? Anyway, we're going to get your comments about Sea of Madness because we missed out on that at like, that time. We ended up with some simpleton eating crisps.
2: That's not very nice. OK. We've had several complaints about how you treat your guests. Anyway, I don't, I'm not going to talk about that. I'll mention it in my top three, maybe.
0: Oh, OK. Any other comments, uh, the artwork?
2: Well, oh, yeah, it's good, isn't it? But I can't see me adding anything to what's already been said about it. It's it, Everyone likes it. Everyone knows what to look for. I'm not going to say anything new, is there? There's not There's not like a hidden Sabutio player or, or anything like that. It's just good. Probably should have been Gatefold. I think I'd have liked that. Yeah,
0: that would have been a good one to have gatefold rather than peace of mind. But uh, yeah, anyway. Right, so let's do the top three.
2: Are you going to ask me three questions?
0: No. And you're not doing a poem either. That doesn't happen. Album review shows are always different. Oh. Well, you can have the three questions as you what's your number three, what's your number two and what's your number one song when you do your top three. They're my three questions disguised as your top three. That's cheating. It's not cheating. It's just the, the structure of the show
2: Alright, anyway, before we do that Can I just say that you're going to do your three And then I'll do my three
0: Yeah, that's obviously what I'd do That always happens I Don't know why there's some confusion about it Keep keep going on All Right. okay, anyway Number three See of Madness for me uh, Now this is really difficult Because the number three In my top three Could have been any one of four songs And I picked Sea of Madness because it's got this sort of harder energy to it. It's got this sort of really heavy riff at the beginning. And yeah, you can feel the the frustration and the the complexity in the mind. And then later on, you've got this almost delicate commercial passage when it all slows down. And I think it's a really good blend. I think it's got a good dynamic. I don't know if that's a word to describe it. It sounds right. And uh, yeah, I think it's underrated, so I'm going to put it at number three number two number two is Alexander the Great um, again, an epic song um, Trevor mentioned last week it might not be as good as previous epic and maybe that's right but this is good in its own right and that middle passage is the best thing they've done since Power Slave, which sounds silly because that's the last album but I meant the song uh, if I was doing other the songs in order um, yeah, excellent um, and it's got a bit of history as well yeah, maybe the lyrics could be better I did criticise them a little, but the song itself, yeah, great. Number one. It's the opening track, Caught Somewhere in Time. I think mean, this is really good. And again, I didn't appreciate how good it is. In the context of the album, it's excellent. But if you listen to it on its own, it also stands up. And uh, if I was going to do a top ten of the 80s of like the song so far, I might, this might trouble it. Yeah, that's quite controversial. Or maybe, maybe it isn't. Right over to you, Trevor.
2: Right, can I do some sound effects?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, you say this and you normally do and then you normally give up halfway through and people aren't that excited by them. All right, well, I'll
2: just get on with it then. Number three, number three, number three, number three, number three, number three, number three,
0: number three, number oh, come on, how long does this go on for?
2: Don't interrupt. Do not want to do it again?
0: No. OK,
2: number three. A stranger in a strange land. It's great really great groove at the beginning I sort of stomp about the living room and uh, got told off once because I was stomping so hard an ornament fell off the mantelpiece it was alright it was only a Beatrix Potter one but uh, my mum wasn't happy and I mended it in my shed with glue so I didn't get sent to my room so it was quite nice and then I could go back and listen to it again but I put the ornament on the floor so it didn't matter when I stomped about a bit
0: Right, okay, well, you're talking about this, this memory of of ornaments. What about the song?
2: Well, I'm just showing you how I feel about it. All you did was just general summary. I'm telling you how it makes me feel. These are sort of deeper meanings. That's what people want. They don't want the basics. They, want, they don't want the album glossing over. They want emotion, like the lyrics.
0: Okay, all right, well, sorry. Um, right, anyway, number two. So just say I'll, I'll do number two. So I've said it, and then just just tell me what it is. You don't have to say number two.
2: Well, it recorded.
0: No, just do your number two.
2: Do my number two.
0: Yes. Stop messing about, please.
2: Number two caught somewhere in time. Yeah, I agree with you, Wayne. It's a good song. M- not my number one, but I think it's underappreciated. <laughs>
0: What's this? What's going on?
2: Nothing. Just underappreciated. I mean, we've had Aces High. It's a bit like Alexander the Great. We've had Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner on the last album, ending it. And then we also had Aces High opening it. So these songs are going to be not as good, maybe. But they're still very good. And that just shows how good Iron Maiden were this time. I imagine being in the future or in space when I hear it.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, number one?
2: Number one, Wasted Years. I can't believe it didn't get in your top three.
0: Well, yeah, as I said, I could have had any any of most of the album as number three, and Wasted Years is good. It doesn't mean I don't like it.
2: Well, yeah, to me, it's great. It's a great single. Um, makes me think of that time, and makes me think of now. I listen to it now with Pamela, and, uh, yeah, I think of all those times of Wasted, pining after the French lady, um, being single and not sort of committing. But now with Pamela, I realise that it's good. And we listen to it together, naked.
0: I don't need to know this. And I don't think anyone at home does either. People, Some people listen to this while they're eating breakfast. Uh, I don't think we need that image.
2: It's all right, I'm just adding colour to it. And no point just saying "Oh, I listen to it. Yeah, we don't have
0: to go into detail. I mean, yeah, maybe I'll mention crisps and pop, but I don't say what I'm wearing, do I? All
2: right, well, there's my top three.
0: Okay, thanks very much. Um, Just looking at this, I can see that this is the third album in the row where I've picked the first and last song on the album in my top three. So that's interesting. Just shows that they start and end an album very well.
2: Do you want Pamela's top three? No, thank you. Maybe we could start the podcast again from Prowler and have Pamela join us. Might be good to get a female perspective.
0: I don't think that's necessary. Um, I think it's going all right, thank you. Uh, Well, I'll speak to you next week anyway.
2: Thanks Wayne Bye
0: Okay you can find out more about the show On social media I'm at Wayne Maiden On Twitter I've got a Ko-Fi page And I've also now got a, a t-shirt store So you can buy a t-shirt if you like That's fun uh, All the links are at my new link tree Which is a, a sort of a site That's got all my links uh, It's not a tree But yeah it's got links on it So yeah Anywhere you can see me Just check the link tree And then you've got links To every everything you ever need Um uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I need some training in marketing because I probably didn't sell it there, did I? I had a message from Ace who says, uh really enjoyed the series and uh, could I say Jackson Dinky again, please? Because I get excited when you say it. So uh, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, yeah, OK, just for you. Jackson Dinky. Is that what I'm reduced to now, is it? It's the same things on request. Maybe that goes back to the Jigsaw commentary again and... Uh, that ASMR thing. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should sell recorded messages, like birthday greetings, or maybe sort of threats to your enemies. Okay, well that's somewhere in time. Series over. So uh, thanks once again for listening and supporting the show. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, leave you with some of the bits from the album. Uh, probably guitar solos, but yeah, hard to sort of pick out a, a perfect moment from the album. Uh, I suppose the response is good enough, so yeah, thanks for listening, pop on!